0: Acts chapter number 2 is where we're going to be this morning, and uh, appreciate that. Uh, Guys, thank you for the wonderful job this morning. Acts chapter number 2, and uh, we are uh, getting back to just getting adjusted to everything, and uh, of course, people have been surprised at how many services uh, we've been able to have, and uh, in some states, uh, they're still not meeting. Some churches are just getting back uh, in our area for the maybe first or second week and uh, so we're, we're blessed that we've been able to have church for a while. And uh, uh, as I've said the last few weeks, uh, there's still probably, uh, I know some people sitting in the fellowship hall and sp- spreading out a little bit, but uh, uh, we're thankful for everybody that's here, that's uh, in the building today. For those that are watching online, we are glad you're with us. We're starting a new series and uh, we're looking at this thought of church impossible. And uh, I kind of got this idea, I was watching one day uh this uh series called hotel impossible and i think as i did some research there's the uh, another one called restaurant impossible i got to think about this as i have preached in literally hundreds of churches in all 50 states and uh, churches around the world i thought you know it's easy when you walk into a building for the first time to recognize and see things that are out of place. Sometimes when you go somewhere uh, all the time, when you it's like at your house, sometimes when you see something, uh, every day you get used to it. So you might see something that's broke down and you just get familiar with it. Or you might get used to how something is done, and it doesn't mean that it's done the best way, but it's just the way you've gotten used to it. And uh, so you kind of grow accustomed to that and you don't recognize uh, some facts. I'll give you an example. For instance, when somebody comes to uh, the church for the first time, uh, it is uh, maybe... uh, especially difficult if you're in a larger church to be able to navigate your way around where you're supposed to go. And even in a smaller church, if people don't know, if you have multiple doors coming into the building like we do, uh, people may wonder where to go. Yesterday, we had a meeting here that happens once a month on Saturday morning, and uh, it had got started about 9 o'clock, about 5 minutes after my son Carson brought this lady down uh, into the fellowship hall where we are having the meeting. Later, she apologized. She said, I got here, but I wasn't for sure where uh, to go. And instead of coming around and seeing the signs up for the meeting yesterday, she just stopped up front. And uh, I thought about that. Oftentimes we get used to something and we know where things are, but maybe uh, our visitors don't. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, uh, oftentimes we forget our purpose. Why God put us here, why God put us here to have a local assembly gather together. And and uh, we, we make church sometimes really difficult. We uh, try to follow the fads of what's going on, and we try to get into uh, the next program and the next this and the next that. And sometimes we make church very difficult. Or I hear people say sometimes, well, I, I would serve the Lord. I just, it just, it's, it's so much for me to absorb and take in. And I just don't know that I really can, can get in the book and really understand this. And, and, and it's just too much for me. And we make church and we make the Christian life difficult. And there's a simple and practical uh, aspect to help us accomplish the work of God here at this local church, God has clearly given it to us in the Word of God to help us. And by the way, if we want to really have clear direction on any aspect of life, whether it's for our local church, whether it's for our family, for us as individuals, the greatest and best and really the only place that we truly should go to find direction is from the Word of God. I'm going to say it one more time because only a few people got it. The only place we should go to is the Word of God. God's Word is our final authority. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want to look this morning at our purpose. Now, Father, I pray that you would fill us with your power. God, speak to our hearts. And Lord, we're so thankful that we can gather together. Lord, we're appreciative of the fact that you have allowed this local assembly to come together this morning and to be able to worship you in song and to be able to fellowship with one another. And Lord, I pray as we open the word of God, you would speak to our hearts and give us what we need that we might be stronger in our walk with you today than we were yesterday. Bless now, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, so many people have different ideas about what the purpose of the church is. If you were to go and do a survey, if you were to go ask people out on the streets, what is the purpose of the church? You would get all kinds of different answers. Some look at the church as a place maybe just to meet and hang out with friends. And it's a wonderful place of fellowship and, and I go really as a social gathering. Uh, some see it as a place maybe to do business and, and uh, if I go there, I'll have more contacts that'll help me with the particular business that I'm doing. Some find it's a place to help with the community needs needs. And some feel that maybe it's a place that will provide counsel for the family. And so there's all kinds of ideas of what church is all about and why we come to church. Some look at the building of the church to see if, if it looks like it can provide the needs that I have. And, and they'll go to a church based on the way a facility looks. And, and some uh, uh, look at the programs and ask, what kind of programs do you have? And, you know, I, I can't go to a church unless it has a program that, that fits my specific need. And it might be that it's a, a singles program. It might be it's a youth program, a children's program. It might be that it's a, uh, an elderly program uh, and on and on. I could go a mission program and this program and that program. And people are looking for specific programs and that's how they find the church that they feel will give them the purpose they need. Uh, some are looking for, for various aspects to find purpose in the reason they go to their church. But I asked this question this morning, what does the Bible say the purpose of the church is? What is the reason that this local church is here? If you notice as you drive around, there's a lot of, quote, unquote, local churches assembling together all over Middle Tennessee today. They're all over the place. There's a lot of places where people are gathering. What is the purpose of the church? Why did Christ establish the church? What is God expected of the believer to do at our local church? What is the reason for the church? Are we putting enough emphasis or maybe are we putting too much emphasis on the looks of the facilities as we provide the spiritual foundation uh, for, for the church, are we doing enough? Is that, is that really the purpose of the church? Are we here to help people grow in the Lord? Oftentimes, people begin to wonder, what is the purpose? And by the way, if you're not careful, you'll start going to churches looking for something that specifically fits your needs. And if it doesn't specifically fit your need, and I'm not talking about doctrine and all that, we're getting at that in a minute, but I'm talking about preferences. If it doesn't fit your specific need, you go find another church. And it kind of reminds me of the fellow that had been stranded for five years out on the island, and, and uh, he was there out on this island all by himself. And one day, a rescue boat came by, and, and uh, they came and said, hey, listen. Uh, We're so glad we're here and we found you and we're going to take you home. And man, he was thrilled. And they got on the boat and they began to leave. And the guy said, we noticed uh, something kind of strange, though, with you only being the only one living on the island. We noticed there was three different huts there. He said, well, yeah. He said, well, what what are they? And he said, well, the first hut is my home. That's where I live. They said, okay, what's the second hut? He goes, the second hut is, is my church. That's where I go and worship the Lord on Sunday. They said, oh, that's wonderful. Well, what in the world is the third hut? He said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. And can I just say, listen, there are some people that don't get this, but you'll never find a church that is perfect, and here's why, because a church is made up with people and there's always going to be problems. So, our, our basis on what a church's purpose is, is not about finding something that fits our specific needs. Boy, I didn't like the color of the seats, or I didn't like this, or I didn't like that. It is really all about, are we fulfilling God's purpose as a local assembly, I want you to notice first off as we consider our purpose, I want to see first off our purpose is to love. The Bible says we exist to love God and we gather together to express our love to him. In both the Old and New Testament, the Lord commands us to love the Lord God with all our heart in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, listen, God's word says that we are to love God. It's so simple. It's so easy. Oftentimes we begin to get involved in so many various things in the quote unquote local church that we forget our number one purpose is simply to love God. If you've come here this morning distracted by everything else that's going on in this world and you've been distracted by maybe even other brothers and sisters in Christ, it's easy. I grew up a preacher's kid. Uh, I grew up going to church and, and when I was a kid, boy, I was a people watcher. That's what I did. I watched people. I had to sit towards the front. If I didn't, I'd get distracted really easily. And if you're not careful, you'll start watching people, and you'll come to church week after week, and you'll leave, and you'll miss something very important. The reason we gather together in part is because we're here to show the Lord that we love him. We're here to worship him. We're here to let him know how much we love and appreciate him. Listen, growing in our love with God is the foundation of our walk in him. So many people go through the motions of serving God for a, for a variety of, uh, of reasons and motives, but only true love for God will sustain us for lifelong growth in our relationship with him. Listen, we've got to learn to love God. And if you're having problems with the Christian life, it may be that your love for God is not what it should be. A lot of people say, boy, I, I, I just struggle doing the things of God. Well, we don't struggle doing the things that we love. Amen? Amen. We don't struggle doing the things, listen, uh, that that are important to us. All that we would learn to love the Lord. Our love, listen, commences at salvation. It starts there. If you're going to really worship God, you must first know him. Now, I'm going to break it out real simple this morning, but it's real easy. Listen, salvation in Christ. Listen, it doesn't come through baptism. It doesn't come through church membership. It doesn't come from being a good person. The Bible says, "There's none righteous, no, not one." Listen, we can try all the the churches in the world. We can try all the religions in the world, but the Bible says, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Listen, if we could save ourselves, we could brag on ourselves. But the reality is, this morning, there's no one we can brag on but God, because He's He's the only one that can save. And God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, it's important that we start our love with him in meeting him through his son, Jesus Christ. Acts 2, 41, they that gladly received his word, they heard the word preached. In Acts 2, Peter stood and preached a simple message about the Lord Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And the Bible says that so many who heard the truth believed Christ that very same day and they got saved. What a great day it was. People gave their life to Christ. It was an exciting time. Salvation provides a tremendous security that can be found in no other relationship. Why? Because when we give our life to Christ, we now have a personal relationship with God himself. In John 1, 11, he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When we get saved, we're not only forgiven, but we're also part of the family of God. We belong to this wonderful family of God. Listen, we become a son or a daughter of God, and that love that He lavishes on us through salvation. It's life-changing. In John ten, twenty seven, he says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Jonathan Edwards. A preacher from years ago said true love begins with God and loves him for his own sake. Self-love begins with self and loves God in the interest of self. Hey, when we truly love him, we love him understanding we don't deserve his love back. When we love him, we understand. Listen, we don't love him just because of the things that we hope to get out of him, but we love him because we realize we can't live a life without him and have any true joy in it. We often want to love God so that he'll do something for us. But the truth is that through salvation, he's guaranteed us that he loves us and he cares for us. We rest assured in his love. Not only does our love commence at salvation, it continues with identification. In Christians, if we desire to grow in our relationship with Christ, we've got to identify ourselves with Christ and with the church. How do we do that? Acts 2 verse 41 says, they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. These new believers in Acts 2 received the truth of salvation and were eager to make their their relationship with Christ public. You know, I I wonder sometimes about people who say they know the Lord, say they've given their life to the Lord, but they're ashamed to talk about it or they're ashamed to, to be represented with him. Let me show you how powerful the salvation was of these new believers after they got saved, living in a time where it wasn't necessarily popular, it wasn't necessarily easy to stand up and say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. This wasn't a good time for them to do that. They were still putting people to death and pretty soon really gonna be putting people to death for that. They're standing up saying, I love the Lord and not only have I given my life to Christ, but I'm ready to show everyone that I belong to him. And they publicly declared their salvation. How do they do that? Baptism, they identify themselves with Christ. It's an outward picture of what Christ has already done in our hearts inwardly. It's a public declaration that we have now chosen to live with Christ. It's as if you're married when you get married. It, you know, uh, it's a wonderful thing when you get married. Let's just start right there. Somebody say amen. He that find a wife has found a good thing. The Bible says is a wonderful thing. When you get married, listen, what, what most couples do when they want to identify that they've been married, they put what's called a ring on their hand. It's to help people know. Now listen, when I take this ring off, I'm still married to my wife. But this is a public identification. Now I used to wear a really fancy, nice ring and I realized that it's easy to lose fingers that way. And so I try sometimes on Sunday to put my nice ring on and then wear this very comfortable ring the rest of the week. The other reason I can't wear the other ring anymore is because it's too big. It falls off. And it looks funny if I'm wearing it on my middle finger. Amen. People are like, what happened to this guy? He doesn't know if he's married. He doesn't know what's going on. Amen. But just as we wear that ring as a public identification, baptism is a public identification saying, listen, I belong to Christ and our love For God begins at salvation. It continues through public identification and then is cultivated through worship. We worship the Lord personally and we worship corporately with our church family, but the best corporate worship springs out of a real individual worship. Listen, if you want to learn to worship the Lord publicly, it's going to start with a learning how to worship him privately. If you've never been alone and just had one of those moments where you just began to worship God by yourself, you're missing out on a blessing. Matter of fact, I would say if the only time you worship is in public, it's probably not a true worship because it seems to me as true worship really comes out of getting to know Christ on a very individual, personal level. And when you begin to see all that he's done, you begin to worship him. Sometimes you might be in a car by yourself, and maybe you're listening to somebody sing, especially if you don't sing that well. You're listening to somebody that can do it better, and you're listening to Him sing. And next thing you know, you're singing out, and you're singing out because nobody else is in the vehicle with you. And you're singing from the top of your lungs, and you pull up to a stoplight, and you look over, and you see all the people in the car next to you staring at you because you're singing by yourself. And they're wondering, what is going on? And what they don't understand is is you're really not in the car by yourself. Listen, you're worshiping with the Lord right there in that place, singing the praises of the Lord, singing how wonderful he is. And all of a sudden, listen, you have experienced what it means to worship him personally. And that worship that comes from a personal experience begins to grow. Our love for Christ grows when we take time to worship him by reading his word, by uh, spending focused time with him in prayer and, and this personal worship becomes a pouring of our love and it keeps it both real and growing. And oh, listen, it's important that we learn as God's children to worship him. The Bible is filled with scripture that tells us we're to be faithful in worshiping him. Warren Wiersbe said the local church is espoused to Christ, but there's always that danger of that love growing cold. Like Martha, we can be too busy working for Christ that we don't have time to love him. Christ is more concerned about what we do with him than for him. Labor is no substitute for love. All that we would learn, listen, the importance of loving Christ. There's a lot of people who are busy doing stuff for the Lord, but they haven't taken time to just let them know how much they love him. I'm thankful for every person that's involved in the work of the the ministries here and and especially this past few weeks as as, uh, folks have worked so hard, the Brady's are up preaching uh, in Indiana today. They're up singing. He's up there in Indiana today, but they have helped uh, uh, lead our our, uh, children's ministry and all that's going on and all the work that's going on. Brother Terry put the new carpet in up there this week and getting all the flooring done and it looks phenomenal. And now the youth uh, area has been started and it's looking great. And I'm thankful for every person that's involved in all the aspects of everything that goes on on here. But can I say, listen, we can get so busy doing the work of God that we forget to love God and all that we would understand the importance of learning to love him. Someone said it takes about 90 gallons of water to be baptized or to baptize a Christian, but it only takes about nine drops of rain to keep him home. Well, how true that is. Oftentimes we come up with all the reasons why we can't serve him, why we can't live for him. Hey, listen, we can't let things get between us and worshiping God. So our purpose is to love, but number two, our purpose is to learn. Look what it says in verse 42. He tells us, listen, the importance of this in verse 42, and they continue steadfastly in the apostle in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. God did not design the Christian life to be an event, but it's a process. We're saved the instant that we trust Christ. And boy, I'm thankful for that. And he plants a desire in our hearts to continue to grow in him. And listen, there ought to be a desire. I don't care how old you get. There ought to be a desire to want to know him more. There ought to be a desire to to want to learn more about him. I'm telling you, listen, I I don't care how long you've known God. I don't care how long you've been around. You can never exhaust the word of God. And you can never get too close to him. You'll find the closer you get, the sweeter it gets. And the more you want to get closer to him. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. What great words the Bible says here. They continued steadfastly. Christian growth isn't easy, but it's vital. A cultivating atmosphere for spiritual growth is one of the purposes of the local church. We're to encourage people to want to grow in the Lord. It it's ought to be that when we come to church, part of the purpose is that we stir people up to want to know Christ more. How can I know him more? How can I learn more about him? Well, let me just say it all starts right here in this book. Now, one of the blessings about being around other brothers and sisters in Christ is sometimes you'll hear them talk about what God's doing in their heart. And sometimes maybe you're going through a little dry spell or maybe you're going through just a little difficult time. And all of a sudden you'll hear them talking about what God's done in their heart in their life. And it'll stir you up to say, hey, listen, God, I want you to do that in my life. Lord, I want you to help me in that area. And we began to get in the word and God begins to show us some things and help us, listen, grow in him. It's as if you would take a, a cup of water and you put a little alka in it. Christians get saved. They're baptized. Maybe for a little bit they're involved in the church, but kind of like that alka begins to fizz away. Sometimes Christians begin to fizz away and they lose their desire for the Lord. And the church is here, listen, to keep that desire, to encourage that desire, to cultivate that desire, to want to know him more. Listen, I'm telling you, if you have sat in this place week after week after week and you don't have a desire to know him more, either we're not fulfilling our purpose or you're missing out on what God has you here for. Because it ought to be, oh, that I could learn more about him, that I know him better. There's got to be a dedication in the heart of every Christian to press forth in growth. Christ has designed the local church to aid us in growing in several ways. First off, we grow through doctrinal teaching. Now, boy, this makes people nervous in 2020 to use the word doctrinal The early Christians who became part of the church at Jerusalem continued steadfastly. The Bible says in the apostles' doctrine, true Bible doctrine, cannot be separated from real growth. In other words, we have to have the word of God if we're going to grow closer to him. You can try to bring in all the wonderful sayings from everybody else, and you can try to bring in all the beautiful stories that, that man has come up with, but they just don't compare to God's word. You can try to come up with all the beautiful, uh, all the beautiful poems and romance and, and novels and, 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 and Chinese Proverbs and everything else, but nothing compares to the Word of God. Nothing instructs us like the Word of God does. Paul instructed Timothy to be faithful preaching the Word of God. He warned him that some would resist hearing God's truth. By the way, boy, that's evident in our day and time, isn't it? Some don't want to hear the Word of God. Some don't care to hear the truth. Doctrine is simply a set of beliefs. Bible doctrine is solid or a right set of beliefs that has been instructed from God for us to follow. This is what we're talking about, following the doctrine of God's word. What does God have for me to do? By the way, listen, I don't care if it's the most famous preacher that's ever preached. I don't care if it's this pastor or anybody else. If it's contrary to this book, it's wrong. I'm just going to say it one more time. I think y'all are asleep this morning. I hope y'all are shouting on the live stream today at your house. If it's contrary to this book, it's wrong. Hey, listen, God's Word gets the final authority. So when some man gets up and claims to be a Bible scholar and says, let me just tell you what the Word of God says, and he begins to talk about things that are contrary to this book, I don't care how smart he is, I don't care how educated he is, I don't care where he got his degrees from, if it's against this book, it's wrong. Because God is the final authority and we go to God's word to grow in our teaching through doctrinal teaching through the word of God that we might know him better. These young Christians in Jerusalem were growing in the word of God because they were hearing what was being taught. The early church was fulfilling its purpose by preaching the word of God and helping these young believers grow in the truth of God's word. Listen, if we're not growing in the word of God, we're failing. So what is our purpose? It's to grow in learning. Through the devoted fellowship, the Bible says they grew. Not only through doctrinal teaching, but look at this, through devoted fellowship, the church in Jerusalem continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread. Now look, if you want to find out where the Bible says something about having church potlucks, here it is right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's biblical for us to gather together and eat from time to time. It's kind of like the Lord's Supper. It doesn't say how much you do it. It says as you, often, as you do it, I'm saying I don't know how, how often we should have church fellowship, but I like having it. I grew up in church, listen, going to potlucks, and I'll never forget when I started pastoring my first church in the state of New York, and I got there, and we they had this custom that once a month, they would have a, a dinner uh, before church, and and uh, I, I, w- I was excited about it. It was a Wednesday night custom, and they would do this dinner, and I was excited about it, but for me, if I eat before I preach, it's hard to preach, and I didn't really want to eat a whole lot, but I would get there and we had a lot of sweet old ladies in our church that would say, preacher, I made this just for you tonight. You got to try this out. And I'd say, oh yes, please give me a little bit. And for whatever reason, a little bit to them was not the same as me. They would pour it on my plate. And I'd go the next one, oh, preacher, but I made this for you, You gotta try this. And they'd pour it on my plate. And I would try my best not to overeat, but I'd start eating and it would be so good that I felt like it would be criminal if I didn't eat all of it and I would eat all of it. And then it would come church time and it was time for me to get up and preach. And boy, I was about as asleep as everybody else was. (laughs) But there's something about fellowship. We see our purpose is to love. Our purpose is to learn. But notice lastly, our purpose is to labor The members of the church in Jerusalem served one another, not just in word, but in action. Their commitment to serve one another was real, and it was expressed in their sincerity. 1 Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Hey, we've got to learn to discover our place in ministry. Now, I want everybody in this room to hear this for a moment. Everybody needs to discover your place in ministry. God has a place for you to be involved in the local church. There's a ministry for you to do. There's a purpose for you to do. By the way, I would say the reason that the church is failing in 2020 in most cases is because most people in the church don't have a ministry that they're involved in. Now, I want you to hear this. I'm not not making this up. If I'm not the pastor... I'm just sitting in the pew. God still has a ministry for me to do. God has called us, listen, to be busy as the body of Christ, fulfilling that which he's called us to do. We have a purpose. There's a ministry, a place for every church member. You ought to diligently ask the Lord, what is your spiritual gift? And then talk with myself or one of the staff and say, I want to get plugged in. I want to get involved. I promise you this, we have room. We have needs for others to be involved. How do I get plugged into the ministry? Listen, when we begin to understand God has given us a purpose, and and I, I don't mean to be unkind, but our purpose isn't just to sit in a chair. There's more to it than that. Now, don't get me wrong. We're here this morning sitting because we're here to learn and grow in God's Word. But that's not it. You say, but preacher, you don't understand. I'm at a place now physically where I can't do what I used to. There's still a purpose. Listen, as long as you have a mind that works you have a place. Because if you can do nothing else, here's one thing that you can do. And, boy, this is so needed in our day and time. You can be a prayer warrior. I, I know this, having been down for a little bit after surgery and couldn't do a whole lot, there was one thing that I could do laying in my bed when I was uncomfortable, and that was pray. And I've learned it's not always easy. Sometimes I'd start praying, and I'd say, Dear Heavenly Father, and I'd start going into this prayer, and I'd start talking to the Lord. Next thing you know, I was out. And I'd wake back up. Oh, yeah, where was I at? And I'd pick right back up. By the way, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So sometimes, you know, you just pick up where you left off. What is our purpose? Discover your place in ministry. Not only that, develop a passion for the lost. The purpose, the passion that Christ carried was a passion to save the lost. Why did he come? The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. A growing Christian will likewise develop a passion for those who are without Christ. Listen. It shames me sometimes to think how many days and weeks and even months and maybe even years that we go without recognizing, without realizing there's a lost world around us that we've got to give the gospel to. There, there's, there's a lost world out there that we've got to proclaim Jesus to. We develop this passion personally. We see this in the life of Jesus' disciple, Andrew. When Andrew found Jesus, the Bible says he went right away to tell his brother the good news. Well, he went to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? When's the last time you shared the good news of Christ? When's the last time you said, hey, listen, I've got something that you need to hear. I've got something that'll change your life. I've got something that makes all the difference in the world when the rest of the world is worried about what's going on and when everybody is just living in fear and they're wondering if they're ever gonna have peace again. Let me tell you about the one who's brought peace in my life. When's the last time you shared Jesus? Our purpose as a church is more than... A mere social gathering. It's an institution created by God with an eternal purpose. And that number one purpose is to love God. Our love for him begins at salvation. And it's expressed through identity with him and baptism and worshiping him. And then we learn the word of God and we grow in the word of God so that we can teach others how important that is. God's given us a purpose. We've got to fulfill it. Here's the average church member's attitude or, or the person seeking a church. This is their attitude in 2020. They come to a church looking for specific things. And if we're not careful as we sit in the church, we'll even have this attitude, I'm looking for something specific. I, I, I need you to really make sure, preacher, that, 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 that you guys are doing this for me to really feel like this is the church that I'm supposed to belong to. And we'll start looking for something very specific. Now, I want you to catch this. Listen to the importance of this because sometimes we'll begin to desire things to be exactly specific. And I want you to understand this. This is your church. If you belong to this church, this is your church. And if you don't belong to this church, you ought to belong to a local church, whether it's this one or another one. And this is the attitude you ought to have. You ought to remember, this is my church and it's composed of people just like me. I will be friendly. And if I'm friendly, it will find that other people are friendly. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into the fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service if I make it what it is and am filled with these things. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. Now listen, listen, It would be good if we would learn to say, listen, this is what I want my church to be. Therefore, I'm going to help make it that way. There's no magic button that we can just turn on and become that kind of church. It's going to take you, me, us together, developing the purpose that God has put us here for. Nothing happens by accident. God for reasons that I don't understand and I'm not saying this in a questionable way but for reasons I don't understand God chose to use us people for his work therefore God is letting us, his people work together to fulfill the purpose so let me ask you this question this morning are you involved in making the church ministry that God has put here possible the old show if you watched it The Mission Impossible. They would give this, this job, this task, and say, "If you choose," and they'd give the task. And it was supposed to be a pretty impossible task, but they'd get it done. I would say to many people, the task that God has called us to do seems impossible. But I would remind you that He then promised us, "With Him, all things are possible." How do we How do we reach the world with the gospel? How do we get the gospel to every creature? How do we accomplish what he's called us to do? And sometimes, if we're not careful, we start getting involved in our own might and our own strength, and we say, Lord, I don't know how to do this all. And we have to be reminded it's by his power, his might, his strength. We can do the impossible. We can accomplish what he's called us to do, and we can fulfill the purpose that he's put us here for, right here in this spot, here in Mount Julia, Tennessee, to go here and take the gospel, and then to take it from here all around the world, So that others may know him. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, this morning that you would help us as a church, Lord, to diligently seek you. Lord, to desire to know you more. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to fulfill the purpose that you've given us. Lord, how important it is that we understand that this purpose is important for us doing the work that you've called us to do. But even more important, Lord, it's important that we fulfill our purpose so that others may come to know you. And may have the chance, the opportunity be able to live for you and serve you all the days of their life. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Listen, it's real simple. You're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. This is a day to accept Him. Today is a day of salvation. If you're here today, you've been saved, but you never follow the Lord in, in believer's baptism. We'd love for you to come present yourself this morning and, and we'll do that soon. Maybe here today and you say, Preacher, I'm saved and I, I, I come to this church but I've never really united with this church. And maybe you don't know what that is, and we'll be glad to talk to you about that this week, but maybe you just feel led. We want to become a part of this church. The Bible tells us that it's important for us to get plugged into a local assembly. Maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, all those things in my life, I'm okay with. But maybe you've not been fulfilling your purpose. Maybe you've not really been helping us as a church fulfill our purpose. And listen, we're all one body, but sometimes, listen, when a portion of the body is out of place, when it's not functioning right, it affects the rest of the body. And we need each and every one of us to fulfill the purpose that God has put us here for. Maybe today you just need to come and bend your knee and say, Lord, I want to do more to fulfill my purpose. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing. The altar's open. You need to come for any reason. Maybe just have a prayer.